0: So I had, I had a choice, when so I got kicked out of Lincoln, the courts here told me I could leave the state. Um, my dad lived in Denver, or I could go to Plankington for a couple of years, which is kind of this kid's jail here that we have in this small little town. I'm sure it's beautiful there, but uh, clearly I chose Denver and, and then um, got in trouble in Denver and was asked to leave after a semester there, Regis Jesuit High School. The Jesuits apparently weren't fond of me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, um, and so anyway, I, when I came back here, actually, um, Sandy and I were just talking about, my drug counselor was JC Chambers. And for those of you that uh, uh, go to Central, um, and for those of you from California that, that might make it over to Central, JC was instrumental in, in the culture of that church. Um, a lot of drug counseling that goes on there for youth uh, and adults as well, but, but beyond that, JC, there's a culture JC provided. Um, human beings and organizations and buildings JC's presence was very, very unique. So uh, he passed away suddenly at age 52, maybe, uh, coaching his daughters in basketball. Um, I think about him often. I have his picture on my computer still. It, uh, he's got a, a unique aura about him. It's, uh, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's. Uh, I'm very fond of that, that picture of JC. Um, but anyway, I then went to Lincoln, Nebraska. After I did graduate high school. But <laughs> so, uh, it's
1: it's a miracle And the only reason yeah. I
0: graduated on time is when I went to a high school, it's a Catholic school, Catholic schools, Christian schools, universities, you do get something more. Um, and I've, I've had the opportunity to go to both. So this isn't, I think, people that, I, I do think uh, kids and adults who did not go to Christian uh, schools, universities, sometimes think that we are, if we've had to, opportunity to go to one think that we're exaggerating or that that we think we're better than them and that's that's not the case there's a community that you get there if if you so desire or want to take advantage of that is unique and I do think they care about the individuals to a different degree I think the mission's different um, you're guided by something um, bigger than yourself and so when I went to a Gorman I was put in I got in trouble again which is hard to believe but I was Put in my mother um, put me into JDC for a good portion of my junior year, um, and had my teachers my teachers voluntarily. So I, I was put in there without um, I wasn't given the ability to leave, which means I wouldn't have graduated high school in time. I would have had to essentially redo my junior year. The teachers from O'Gorman collectively, there was about ten of them that went to the city. I went to the court system and got the city to let me out. And, and every morning a teacher or a certain designated seniors of the high school would pick me up for school and they'd bring me back to juvenile detention center, by the way, JDC, case you're wondering what that is. And so I was able to graduate on time. Um, probably didn't appreciate it in the moment like I should, but I do now. Um, and then uh, I went to Lincoln, Nebraska after I left Gorman. I, I made it about a semester. Uh, the grades were great. And I realized uh, I needed the small school environment again. And I, I came back and went to USF and played soccer and graduated um, w- with pain. I call it graduated with pain. I really had to work hard to graduate. At some point, um, I was done learning and wanted to get out and work and do those things. So, and we'll save that part because Anna could talk about what she got there.
1: <laughs> well, I, I feel like we What's should your back your favorite boss? Yeah, and say what we do. So we kind of over that. Part. I thought we did.
0: it's a mystery. Yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah, that's okay. one of the questions. Yeah. It's going to be what do you guys do?
1: 26 questions. we are giving like, you an easy one. Hey. Um, so, uh, Rory owns uh, 26 locations of uh, Verizon authorized retailer locations across five different states. And yes, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and I currently hold the position of COO for uh, Sell Only. So, that's the company that, that Rory owns.
0: She's the culture curator.
1: Yeah. I'll take that.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. for sure.
1: Um, a little bit about my journey there and, and one of the, the points that I wanted to make is um, making sure that you take time for connections uh, with people, right? So it's just so often that we have people that we see every day and we don't take the time to sit down and say hello. And um, one of the reasons or that, that I'm here today is because I met a girl named Kara in college and I sat next to her in my accounting class at Southeast Tech. Her and I were both believe it or not, kind of loners in the back, and um, her and I got to talking and, and to building a relationship. Uh, at, after um, college, I worked at a CPA firm. I realized that public accounting wasn't for me. Maddie, God bless you for your, your position there, and, uh, uh, and so when I left that CPA firm, I actually recommended Cara to take my position, and she took that position, and while at the CPA firm, I met a girl named Ashley. Well, it was five years later um, that I built those connections with Ashley and Cara that they called me and said, hey, sell only. We, we both now work for sell only and sell only is uh, expanding their accounting department. Are you interested in a position? And so I came over to sell only from CoreTrust Bank and started in the accounting department. And it to me, it still, I don't think quite sits the fact that my path today is because of a girl that I met in college that I said hello to on a whim. That I wouldn't have been here um, without that connection. Now I wouldn't have been a sell only without that connection, um, but I definitely wouldn't be in the position that I am today without Rory. And so I, I think I did accounting for a year, or two, somewhere around there, and then Rory, in the most kind way, was like, "Accounting's not." I
2: pushed for you. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: I was. I, I enjoyed people. I enjoyed being with our teams, and you know, going out to the stores. And so Rory identified the fact of you really should have a position more in operations where you're involved with our team members and you're making those connections in the store. And so I helped at the operations department for, uh, we'll call it five years or so. And it was really this last year during a meeting that Rory said, hey, I think that you should be taking on this role as the COO. And one of the things that I wanted to share and just uh, be transparent about is that, you know, one of my um, vulnerable thoughts is that I don't have a four year degree. And so first thing that when, when Rory, yeah. Yeah. When Rory mentioned that of of taking on that COO role, it was, I don't know if I deserve that. You know, I don't have this four-year degree. I don't have this history behind me of, of, you know, some great resume um, to help support that. Um, And that's really what it comes back to experiences matter because although I don't necessarily have a four-year degree, I have nine years of experience of what I'm going to, what I'm going to call, and I'm going to steal your phrase of, of, Successfully failing <laughs> to to build this resume and lessons learned over nine years to help support that role and so it's definitely something that I focus on a lot. Uh, I, what did you say? We could write a book called "How to Successfully How to Successfully
0: Fail." fail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. How to Successfully Fail.
1: Yeah. So that's that's how I came into my to my role as COO and something that I just reflect on a lot of of making that, those connections and really taking the time to look around you when you're in your class we have we have our phones obviously which we love the fact that you all have phones by the way um, and if you need a phone you say know who you can talk to but uh, she'll be leaving your car yeah <laughs> but but just I, I think about it. when I was sitting in class I would be you know checking Facebook or on my phone or whatever the case may be but again taking that time to look up and say hi to Cara, the girl sitting next to me, led to so many things in my life. And it's just kind of funny how that one little connection made. So, anyways, that's my role for me getting the COO. You Cara, talk about is
0: Kara our friend still? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: we, we saw the
0: connection. She left yeah. on okay terms.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay.
0: Uh, Ashley, by the way, Ashley is still with us. Ashley's been with our company, the other gal that that uh, helped repair you, on.
1: 11 years, yeah.
0: 11? Is mm-hmm. that what it is?
1: 11? Yeah.
0: So I've been fortunate to have people around me that have stuck with me and gotten to know me. It's a family. There's moments, uh, you know, embarrassing moments along the way that they kind of, for some reason, kind of stuck out. But um, I was going to say, kind of ping-ponging off Anna when you talk about meeting people and being being um, present um, and putting yourself out there. Obviously, through my childhood, I was uh, forced into, you know, having to meet new people. Uh, move around and be comfortable. It's, 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 so it's funny because when you, you can kind of wallow in your own mess at times when you realize there's opportunity uh, in any situation, even if you put yourself there in a negative sense, right? I mean, if you went to jail and spent 50 days in there because of you know your fifth DUI, I guarantee there's an opportunity that can come out of that. And so I think that uh, what the reason, because I have people always ask, how did you become an owner? Probably more like this, like, how did you become an owner? <laughs> um, and I tell them I treated every customer like a friend. Um, I got to know everyone on a personal level. I was terrible with names, which this leadership training we go to called Rapport taught me. But I, uh, I remembered things. People would come in. Two years, you know, you get your phone every two years. I would remember how many kids I had. I could remember enough about them that you know made them feel special and made us feel like friends. And, and I'll tell you too, I have people that reach out to me still that I don't know that well, but they think we're friends, um, which is a gift. And I, have, I just had someone text me. I know this is a bother to you, blah blah. blah. And I tell people every time it gives me purpose, and it's it's. Uh, not that it's not an annoyance sometimes to have someone text you at eight o'clock at night that their phone's not working, but but it does give you purpose and it tells you that you did you did something right. But the owner of the place, Janet, she just had enough people tell her that hey, you can't let this guy go. He's just too valuable. Like he's the only reason we come here. Um, and I don't mean that from you know an arrogant perspective at all. I don't even know that I was doing that for the sense of becoming an owner there. I was begging her to be one at one point, especially after college, but I was more so thinking of it. And I tell I tell our team this all the time. I tell new hires this, and when we have manager trainings, I tell them the same thing. We have all company calls or whatever it might be. I treated every person there like they were gonna be my father-in-law, be my next boss. I didn't know what I wanted to be. Most of us don't. And I always thought, you know, everyone has a cell phone. You know, I don't know what these people are gonna be to me at some point. And maybe that's selfish to some degree. But I think it's the right way to think about anyone you encounter. And so, literally, strangers that became friends convinced this owner that I had what it took to be her partner, which she learned the hard way over the first five years. (laughs) Probably was a terrible choice. Cost a lot of money. But um, but yeah, and then in the process, um, Anna and, and our corporate team is super tight. We're super tight. We don't, we, you know, our 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 um, uh, organizational chart is into your typical pyramid scheme. That's what I tell people. We use a chain link fence idea. Um, you know, your family will be the same way. When you have a wife or a husband and kids, it's not like you're here and you're, you know it's it's a chain link fence. You know, even your children end up becoming a huge part of the leadership within your family. Our oldest son Jude takes a big role in the mornings now, um, or, or if Jude's sick, our, our nine-year-old daughter steps. I mean, they're just, just funny. Everybody has their place and they all step up. Um, and, and, and so uh, I think the chain link fence has, has worked out really well for us. I don't come in and lord over anyone. You know, I work really hard at being available to them uh, from, from a, maybe more of a know, mentor perspective is not the right word, but someone to kind of ping pong ideas off of. I also know from failing many, many times that when you put someone in a, in a spot like COO, that she's gonna have to make her own decisions too. It's hard for me sometimes to step away from those and let those happen. For two reasons. One, because you there is an ego involved and you wanna make those decisions even if she's making the right one. And two, sometimes you can see maybe the future a little bit not being great on the decision, but you know like, you know, people have to trip on their own. You just need to be there to dust them off and help them up after. So, um, luckily, we've, we we kind of have a really good group of people in our corporate office. We're all there for each other, and you know, there's a lot of making fun of each other that goes on. <laughs> Anna really appreciates the teasing. Joey knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, Joey, don't you? Yeah, we that's why Joey says speaking She's like, don't call. me.
1: <laughs> it's one of those where if Marie's making fun of you, you know, you're, yeah. you're good. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh-huh. Except in the moment when she's like, I just wanted to stop. <laughs> But no, we have, we have an awesome organization. The coolest thing about our organization is we have a bunch of people and, you know, I, Janet, the previous owner, was super into the community. I thought I, did that happen?
2: <laughs> it, I mean, it is
0: on by um Janet was super involved in the community when I worked there and she um, she was always kind and generous. She was the type of person who would pay a thousand dollars cash for an employee because they were going through a divorce. She was just always doing things. And so we, in turn, that, that, that is, you know, through osmosis um, that, that culture of helping people has filtered down into us. And it started, you know, with Jane and I's relationship and, and that now us as a company, all of us really enjoy helping people and each other. And, um, I mean, we just, we had an employee, we had to fire for stealing and we had helped him buy his house and it wasn't cheap. And so... Not only did we have to walk away from the money that we had helped him, that we gave him to buy this house, we had a contract with him to pay us some money back, which we knew was not going to happen. The idea was he would stay there for a while and blah blah blah.
1: We also paid him out for a month. And we did that because,
0: and again, I mean this from not a place of arrogance, but humility. I'm just telling you, these are we decided to pay him out. We let him go December one for the month of December, even though he had stole. Uh, Not from us either. He stole from all these other employees. It's a long story. So we we had to pay out these other employees we had stole from them that they didn't know. And um, it was we paid him out because he's got kids at home and he's got a wife who didn't work and we cared about their environment situation. But I could tell you the last day I came in and I told the team I just was struggling with it the last day. I was just angry. And so and it was funny when I said we were gonna do it, they were angry. They're like, why would we do that? And so it was so cool because it was like the balance of how things are supposed to work. So I came in gung-ho about giving it, like, look, he's got a wife and kids. I don't want it's December. The whole thing just didn't make sense to just cut him off. It just didn't. didn't, It's not about, because if it's just about money, then what's the point? Like giving this guy an extra paycheck isn't going to break our company. And so I just didn't want to put his wife and kids in a bad spot. Well, (laughs) the day that we were letting him go, I was, had they not, I probably would have stopped. it. I just, I don't know, I slept on it. I was angry that night. I mean, who knows what was going on. It was really cool. I came in the next day, told my wife this, and 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 everyone was like, no, you'll regret it. It's the right thing to do, you know. So they had come around the other side. So that type of stuff has been really impactful on me, and I think it has you too. I oh, for
1: sure. 100%. Yeah. There's a lot of times where we where will say we're going to do something, and my first response is, you're a better person than I am <laughs> and then and then I learn from it and the next time it's like it's kind of become my saying now well, what, what would Rory do yeah yeah that's
0: that would so, be a terrible idea that, that, never I mean, say that to yourself the, don't I don't ask that.
1: myself that you know like a top hat <laughs> yeah like night, exactly. but, I, but I ask myself that from yeah. a business perspective of, yeah. of, of, that's really been a guiding light honestly and it has been because of of what you've done for employees before and for the families for that work for us it's been huge it's definitely been something that I feel has opened up my eyes to an organization that I want to work for. Um, you know, previous organizations that I've worked for, I've been a number. I don't think they could they could tell me, you know, what my personal situation was at home or um, anything about me other than maybe my performance, right, at that company. And Rory has has trickled it down throughout the entire organization to really care about the person, and then that in turn will help them care about the company you know, when they see that we're asking questions and we care about their family situation and we, you know, are, are supporting them in other ways. We bought Girl Scout cookies from one of our employees and Cody, and he just thought that was the coolest thing that, you know, that we would, would support his daughter in that, you know, and, and it's, but it's something that I, I feel like his loyalty to, to the company, and to the customers just, you know, grew by 10 times from that one small, uh, that one small thing. So it's, it's definitely something that's just opened my eyes to what kind of organization do I want to work for? And then how do I want to build that culture for our employees all the way through? Because if I want to work for this organization for that reason, I want them to want to work for the organization for that same reason as well, so.
0: We call it people science. Yeah. So you get caught up in data. Data is a huge thing to be caught up in when you, even in mission, missionary work, right? And when, and when you're, so when you're out and you're, 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 you're you know, helping people and, and maybe it's, you know, helping non-believers become believers or just whatever support it is. There's data involved in your mind, right? How many people we helped, blah, blah, blah. blah. And that data is super important. It's, it drives us, you know, it gives us, those goals are important and those measurables are super important. There's people science in there too. So um, we're talking to Sandy and, and about their goals from uh, ambassadors they'll bring in here. I was thinking, you know, your ambassadors are going to bring in other ambassadors. The people science would be that, that those people feel something really special here. And through that process, you know, the, the, data kind of follows. I think sometimes we put data about human beings and it can happen very easily. It happens still to us all the time. You know, th- those are things you have to kind of step back from it happens in my, in my marriage at home too. There, you just, at times there's, there's bits and pieces of data that you just put ahead of, relationships and human beings. So we call it people science, but I think through COVID too, you know, COVID has been an opportunity for all of us to hit the reset button um, or digress. I, I haven't seen a middle ground for people. You know, if we look at suicides and divorces um, and we look at all these negative statistics and beyond those negative statistics, I have so many friends and so many businesses and so many people that are having great years at work, having great years with spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends having great years faith lies Um, and I think I think these opportunities we get caught up in uh, ourselves and I think if we can somehow eliminate ourselves from almost every equation the answers are more obvious and so um, yeah I think COVID was really good for us too we it's funny so art we have a lot of stores in Wyoming and of course my wife (laughs) <laughs> likes Jackson Hole now you know uh, it's the most expensive place in Wyoming <laughs> but um so but through COVID it gave us the opportunity we would pack our kids in the car and take because we could zoom school yeah. and uh, it was really cool because we would take them store to store and I would tell them before we got in there I'm like choke up all of a sudden we'd tell them before we got there I'd say these people are the reason we can travel so and you go in, and make sure you tell them thank you. And that process was really cool. Super cool. So now you have to go. Okay. Yeah. Jackson Hole got me. <laughs> what was the cost?
1: Oh, uh, that's great. Um, well, I think I'll just start with one of my seven words. And, uh, we, you'd one. have
0: to start with all seven. You could just start with Well, one. I
1: mean, what I have two. Get, yeah, you're right.
0: I got you. Oh, you did too. Is, She's always got to go like one notch above me, too.
1: Yeah, this, this yeah. is, this is the, the making fun of part that, that you can see. I can never say the right thing. It's, it's somewhere in there. But anyway.
0: Well, there's, there's time left. <laughs> um,
1: my first one that uh, I was telling Sandy about earlier is just uh, I promise you it's not that bad. That's what I would tell myself multiple times in my younger twenties. Um, probably, I don't know, late teens even. Um, I promise you, it's not that bad. There were multiple times that I would think that, um, to, to go on a personal note, you know, this this breakup was just the worst, and I'll never, you know, meet somebody as great, or you know, there there's that I was just devastated for uh, weeks or months on end, right? And if I could go back and tell myself. I, I promise you it's, it's not that bad, right? Or um, the missed job opportunity, you know, there was obviously another door um, or window that was waiting for me down the road. Um, I, I just, that's, that's over and over, I think about times in my life where I just thought that this is the worst and I don't, I don't see where it's going up from there. And, and I would go back 10 years ago and I don't even wanna say that out loud, i just, I promise you it's not that bad. Uh, one of the things that Rory promotes, and I absolutely love, again, another reason why I love working for the organization is volunteering, which we uh, um, made it a goal to do more often during this last year, and especially in those times where we'd be delivering, uh, delivering meals to some really rough parts of town, and, and it was just another reminder, like, through, through this COVID, when I was thinking, oh, you know, horribly, it you know, sucks, I can't go to a concert, I just want to go to a concert, I just want to go to a, a baseball game, right? and then we'd go to deliver meals and we'd see people in much rougher situations that you know needed needed food and, and their shelter wasn't that great either and it's like wow i, I needed to hear this at 32 I, you know i promise you it's not that bad right it, you can get through this year or a year and a half without a without a concert or a baseball game because you still have you know your your roof over your head and a, a job and food and your family to support you and so um that's where I kind of started when when Sandy said you know seven words that you could tell yourself younger I would probably still be telling myself that <laughs> in the next ten years um, but that just really resonated with me of whatever you're going through that there's still something on the other side to get you through it and um, yeah I, I definitely wanted to talk about that and then social pressures is really one of the other things that I wanted to touch on for I promise that it's it's not that bad. Um, one of the major things that I went through, I was kind of, I was laughing to myself when we were talking about this talk, Rory has such great stories of, 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 of overcoming things, right. Of, of obviously he's gone through a lot and it's, and it's, uh, growing up in his childhood and his in his time. And I, I was kind of thinking, well, there, there's not a whole lot I can contribute to that conversation because I, I feel very blessed with the upbringing and the family that I had, but, um, one of the rough patches that I went through is I went through a divorce uh, three years ago and thinking again back to that. I promise you it's not that bad. Um, I knew driving to the church on the day of my wedding that I was not marrying the right person. There was signs of addiction of, of um, Alcoholism that were very uh, prevalent and I and I knew and uh, my mom, I remember saying, you know, is this something that you want to do? And, I, and that all, all I could think about in that moment was the social pressure of, I can't cancel a wedding the day of, people, people flew in, that, you know, we had gifts that were given, how would we return the gifts? I mean, all of these small, trivial little things of, of trying to um, think through that. And so I, I went through it. Now obviously, I have a wonderful, beautiful six-year-old son that I wouldn't ch- um, change you know, anything in the world for. But again, um, that, that small, brief little um, pain I, when I'm not little, but br- the brief pain of going through you know something big in your life, such as canceling a wedding because you know that it's not the right thing, or breaking off a very long-term relationship, even though that it's naturally progressing to that point and you don't see another option um, again, I promise you, it's not that bad. That, that time of embarrassment, that time of, of um, pain would have been a hell of a lot brief, more brief than, you know, the 11 years of pain afterwards. And so um, just another piece that I wanted to share for whatever you're going through now, if you're thinking about the social pressures of what does that mean? Am I going to be embarrassed? Am I going to, you know, lose a friend over it, whatever the case may be? Uh, It's, again, that that brief moment of pain will be uh, worth it instead of going through something that will last much, much longer. So, We just
0: tell stories differently.
1: Yeah! (laughs) I would say
0: that that experience has led to a strong, intelligent, independent person. So, uh, I will tell you, marriages, by the way, this is my opinion on marriages, we screw marriages up as a society because you celebrate these two young people, and you put them so far up on a pedestal that the literally that i would tell people all the time my wife and i looked at each other at our honeymoon and we were depressed because we had left all these people i mean we are depressed but there's there's you, you just everything is this way after your wedding and it's not gradual it's here and i always say the wedding should be like seven to ten years down the road the actual celebration um and we've decided every decade, we, we, we renew our vows. We just renewed them in Maui. We're 14 years now. So um, I'm not saying, by the way, I don't, want, I don't want to ruin the idea of a wedding for anyone.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: but it happens, you know, business ownership is a lot like a marriage, too. And when you, I remember when I became a business owner, I had everyone in town, oh my, congratulate! I heard you. You made it. You've done it. I hadn't done anything yet. I had all this debt and, and, and my ego, first off, it's there's a lot of insecurities of becoming a business owner. There's a lot of insecurities when you're married. That first day when everyone's away from you, even though you've been together for seven years or six months, you're like, I mean, there's, I don't want her telling you what to do, or there's, there's still a lot of insecurity there in your relationship and you still want some independence that now you feel like it's gone. And there's, you know, there's things to work on. And when the business happens, those insecurities are super similar. I'm inadequate. You know, I, the, the, I would fake phone call walking to the office some days just because I don't want to talk to people. I, was just, I just, you know, wasn't there. And so, and the congratulatory stuff, all that did is feed the wrong side of my ego. And so, I just think marriage is, I just, I wish we could get together as, you know, a culture and just say, hey, how do we, how do we, how do we build stronger foundations early on in marriages? Because it doesn't start with a huge blow party. It's just a terrible idea. So that's my two cents on that. My, <laughs> I had a couple seven-word things, and I won't. I'll just do one, and I, I love this one. It's an ancient, it's a Chinese proverb, and it's when I change, my whole world changes. And I actually, I have a, a thing in my kids' rooms with that too, because I always want them to know that the power usually resides here, right? So we, we're we're in a victim culture right now. Like if you're a victim, you're a plot and that's um, just, that's not a good place to be. Um, you can't get better as a human being, nor can the world you live in get better if you're a victim every day. A victim is a choice. Now I'm not saying our people who are victimized and have have histories in, in situations um, that are, you know, unforgettable. We all have some, I would assume, right? Every human being goes through some sort of, um, you know, bullying or or in in my case, some of my worst emotional scars are things I've done. Um, And and I think that, you know, you can't, you can't exist the way you're supposed to if you're a victim. You're never going to make any improvements on yourself. Certainly relationship-wise, you'll never have a good relationship in your entire life because it's always going to be about you. Um, And I think that, when, if you focus on changing yourself, it's amazing how quickly things change around you. And I mean quickly, very rapidly. And whether it's at work or in my marriage, in parenting, friendships, whatever it is, I've, I've realized um, over the years that I'm almost 99.9% of the time the problem. And uh, faith helps a ton, obviously. And Ian and I haven't gotten too much into our personal face here. Uh, and, and usually I don't. I think faith is is very personal, and everybody experiences it very different. Just had a friend of mine from high school on Facebook um, go off on, on on this tangent about Catholic priests and her her experience there. And I went to I just never. I don't, it's just I'm just careful anymore. Um, I don't project any of that stuff on people because I don't know where they are. Um, I'll tell people what it's done for me again, and I'm not I'm not saying anything about where you are. By the way, I just. I try not to go there uh, too too much, but I would tell you when I when I became a better Catholic, I became better everywhere. Um, but that was that was part of my change too. And so anyway, that's my those are my seven words that I think are really important. Is it okay to use a Chinese proverb?
1: I would say so. That's pretty good. Yeah.
0: That was yeah. kind of a joke. <laughs> just I, I just feel like we get, everything is okay. We gotta get just the culture we're in right now. I just No, I, I I love that. I think it's a beautiful saying, and I think my kids get it. It's cool to talk to my kids about it. They'll come home with a bullying thing, and or something. My daughter's will make fun of her hair tie, and you know we talk about how she, how what she can, do. not about those kids, right? Because that's unavoidable. You know, certain things in life we're not going to avoid. I had a consultant tell me once I was struggling with Janet. And more like probably I was the problem, right? But he, he told me one day, he goes, Well, if you can predict, because I I always say, Well, this well, but she'll do this, or but well, if you're so good at predicting her, why can't you predict yourself? And that's 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 the thing, right? We we gotta be able to kind of dig in here and stop digging out here. So anyway. That's
1: good.
0: Was mine better than yours? I, I think like it so was. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, very. It was very original. I liked it. It was, yeah.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're like, he probably came up with that five minutes ago. The- <laughs> That's
1: the, you're the worst, you're, you're the best on the fly. Honestly, no, I thought about
0: I thought about talking about that one today too. But
1: yeah, they, well, the other one that I had, which really isn't that original either, is just never settle for less than you deserve. And and again, that comes back to relationship, it comes back to your, you know, what you're doing through, through school or through work or, you know, you, there's, there's times that you might think that, um, you know, you're, you're, you are where you're at because of something that you did or um, just because of your own uh, actions and like Rory said, it, it changes once you change your outlook and so when you, when you tell yourself, you know, I deserve more, whether it's in your relationship or at work or at home or whatever the case may be, And and then you start to to realize what actions you can take to get to those um, to that step. I feel like that's huge. So never don't don't get too comfortable. Right, push yourself. Get get out. Get get to that um, to pass those boundaries and and really push yourself to to never settle. And I definitely think that will help along the way too. If you're if you're getting too comfortable. I feel like just when I'm getting comfortable at work is when you walk in the door and you're like, I'm about to. Screw I can this see thing. it. I'm like, she looks <laughs> yeah.
0: comfortable today.
1: Yeah, I'm uh-huh. gonna throw something out there.
0: <laughs> it's happenstance. <laughs>
1: okay.
3: I
0: think change is really good. Change is super important. We uh, we're just I was watching this TED Talk, of course. I don't know if any of you dive into these wormholes, but my lord. So, <laughs> but this guy was saying it's so true. He's like, we have this thing where all of us. This, and I can speak as a man. I, I, I can't, females have this same thing. It's what am I going to be when I grow up? Like, I don't know that I have a male friend that ever really gets over that, that idea. Like, I don't care how successful they are. There's always this thing about, you know, what, what do I want to be? I don't know if this is where I, you know what I mean? This kind of restlessness, And which is kind of biblical, this idea of being restless. But I think we're, we're meant to do many things, and I think that's okay we all have this fear we stay in relationships or jobs or wherever a community just whatever it is that you know we're not happy in for so long before we finally make this change and I just think when we feel this desire or we feel this restlessness I'm not saying we just get divorced leave our family by the way I'm just saying in general when it comes to like us as human beings restlessness at home might be you know changing the vibe at home or doing something different you know We don't date anymore, we're going on a date Thursday. I don't know what the restlessness might manifest itself in many different ways. But I don't think we ever really know what we're supposed to be or where we're supposed to be because it's okay that it changes, that we change and we do different things. And I think we're meant to learn as much as we can and meet as many people as we can and do as many things as we can and so on and so forth. So uh, the TED Talk was about uh, owning the idea that it's okay to, to change and to learn anew. It was all about job. But I just thought about that restlessness that we get as human beings. And some of us kind of choke it down. Um, Probably a lot of us, most of us, I do. Um, But when I recognize it and deal with it, it usually leads to better things. um, Letting people do their jobs and me getting out of the way or, um, you know, again, you know, being more purposeful at home. My wife and I, pre-COVID, we worked out every day, never worked out together. It's like the most bizarre thing. I look back at it, we laugh about it now because since COVID, we work out every single day together. There's no reason we shouldn't. It was just the goofiest thing like that. And there's a restlessness to that when I look back on it where I think there was this elephant in the room of we working out together, kind of. And and I don't know, just little things like that. I don't know how good of an example that really is. But I don't want you to think restlessness at home or family-wise means that I want to go. It just means that change is needed. Um, you know, I, I think of our kids too, we allow, you know, you get in these ruts, everyone's playing games for two hours every night and, and these ruts happen and uh, there's, there's a restlessness there too, right? um, you know, we'll be able to watch Netflix and have a glass of wine together, but we should be doing game night together. I mean, there's things that we have to purposely kind of recognize where that restlessness is coming from and and it's, it's usually right, right, our guts are usually right, change is okay, it's just amazing how scary we, think that change will be and how you know Anna talking about her divorce I can tell you without her telling me that she's happier and, and things are better for her. I can see it, but um you know, those changes are hard too. So change is good.
1: There's a light at the end of the channel.
0: Yeah it's it's dim and it's hard to see. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was gonna ask were you afraid to work out with Amber because you were afraid she was gonna Yeah do she's than gonna you. dominate me. Yeah uh-huh. she does too. Yeah. <laughs> she is-
0: goes like and it is competitive. Like, I don't know how many of you are married, but even with your relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, once, like spouses are super competitive. Uh, it's, and I think competitive, the competitiveness between your spouses can eventually cause turmoil. And, when, and my wife and I, thank God, have been pretty good at recognizing our competitiveness, whether it's with kids, you know, what kid's asking who what, uh, even working, out, I mean, there's everything, jobs. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You, and, and, and that can turn into resentment at times, I think, the competitive nature of a relationship. And I think, thankfully, we've, you know, we've been able to kind of recognize our competitive natures and, you know, laugh at those at times. And, and then, again, like, pull them together, too, and just be open about it. The kids singing stuff, I think, who they go to at times can be hurtful and kids aren't manipulative enough to purposely do that and and it does change too they they go like this right they're going to mom for a while they go to dad for a while they go to dad for things they want to buy (laughs) they go to mom for for comfort you know and and there's there are moments as a parent that you feel this um you know just this kind of competitiveness about that what and and that's okay but i think when you recognize it and you talk about it openly, um, because my wife is really good at saying, it it hurts my feelings sometimes when she wants to talk to you. It's good for us to talk about those things because of course I'm so elated, it's me, you know, I don't (laughs) want, you want to recognize it. And so then I get better at saying, you should tell your mom that, you know? And so anyway, yeah.
1: We've talked quite a bit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. is there any, can we have any questions? Hours, hours left. Yeah. What any? What can we can we answer? I mean, anything from a personal. What haven't we answered? Yeah, right. I feel like we've we've covered a lot. Okay.
3: Sure. Uh, how important is the difference between, um, like like going at like like the whole business side of things, going at it uh, from a Christian worldview, going
0: at it as a Christian. So I'm, I'm part of this uh, Catholic businessman's fraternity. It was really a big turning point for me. Now, I mean, I grew up Catholic, by the way, so I, again, I, I was telling Sandy I would go to Central. I love Central. I mean, there's a lot of uh, community, church communities, Christian communities in this town specifically. I mean, again, talk about a chain link fence, right? So when I say CMBF, the Catholic businessmen's group, this is just the group that I've, you know, but it's these it's these men, and I, I started probably four, four years ago. And you probably would know this better than me because you've witnessed the idea that we wear all these multiple hats, right? Um, we most of us don't bring our community into, into the workspace. I mean, not, I'm not, I'm not talking about having to pray before we lunch together, which we do, but we don't. We don't. You know, you, you got to be careful with that too. Like if Ann and I are together, we do. But the Christian concepts, right? So Catholic social teaching, Christian social teachings actually belong in the workplace, too. And if you think about what those social teachings are and how we treat each other and love your neighbor and people above you and servant leadership, for example. So when I decided to bring those in the workplace, in fact, I'll share things that we talk about on our in our Catholic businessmen's group with, with the, our leadership team, sometimes I will... On um, um, in manager meetings and in other spaces, I, I, it's our our director of sales. I'm sorry, our VP of sales. <laughs> um, he he will cringe at times, and it's not because he isn't. It's you know, there's always this fear about bringing religion into work. And I preface it all the time. Look, this is this is this is why I've become a better person, and this is this is what's helped me be a better leader. I'm going to give you what what I've been given, right? Um, and it doesn't need to come with father son holy spirit i could just tell them where i'm at and how it's helped me i think that's transformed our culture from my my side of things now the culture the leader provides can be very different than the culture the uh, corporate team provides um and I, I guess the the way i would say that is this is people are going to be far more comfortable with people like canada than me like in our company there's just something i remember when janet this the previous owner it would be this I was Anna before. People were way more comfortable around me. the owner is always going to carry kind of a the writing the checks thing. I, I don't, it's not something you ask for or desire. Um, but people get uncomfortable around me, you know. I mean, they don't, they're not, they don't open up in certain ways around me. Um, some of her favorite people barely talk to me at manager meetings, right? And so the culture that I provide them is more humility-based. And hers maybe is more tough love. Hers is her relationship, it's very different. But I, th- I think what's really helped me from the Christian perspective, like as a leader, is people see someone that's humble. I talk, about, I talk about some of the things that we've failed at as a company. I talk about my wife and kids and their relationship to my relationship with work, right? Um, I talk about how money was a driving force when I got started. And, and then people became the, the leading driving force and how that changed. And that all stemmed from the, the CMDF, Group that I was with, and still am with. In fact, we meet every Wednesday morning. I'll we'll be there tomorrow morning. And um, I think that's a great question, and it's a conundrum. And you're going to have it worse than I will to some degree because it's it's becoming less and less and less okay to be Christian in this country. And and I think that we can kind of cower in a corner and feel sorry for ourselves, or we can kind of own the opportunity to to turn it around the other direction. And the Catholics really failed and a lot of Christians, I think, um, and this may sound controversial, but I I believe to be true. But if if we look back at, um, you know, especially the eighties, we look at AIDS and and homosexuals, for example, our reaction to them as Christians, a lot of Christian organizations was very negative. And, And I think it precipitated this social anxiety about Christians. We're judges, you know, all, this, all of these things. And I think most Christian organizations realize, um, and I'm lumping a lot of things together, by the way. So, but I think a lot of Christian organizations realize today, especially young people, we should have been more accepting of these sons and daughters of Christians and parents and people. They're people. And so I think we have an opportunity now to be more accepting of human beings and where they are. And I mean, because I, I don't know about you, but I sin far too often. And I I don't need to project on someone else their, what their sins may or may not be. And so I I do think we have an opportunity and and my opportunity in my company is to tell people how, you know, being a Catholic has made me a better person and showing them that in my actions and the things I do can hopefully help erase or reverse some of the the angst they have about that word Christianity, because there is an angst involved to that. So anyway.
3: Do you feel like you got comfortable with that once like power? Not power. Yeah,
2: yeah. kind of like, no, I know
3: what you mean. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Because that's what I was like. hundred percent, like yeah. Going into like the workplace, you were
0: right where it's just like so happy.
3: You even not say you're the Christian, they're gonna assume you hate all these things right.
1: or you know, like believe these things, but finding a melting pot.
0: In, in, oh no, no. Your, your point is making my point. So, so you worked in our company, and I'm and I'm doing what I'm doing from my position, right, which I've been given. It helps you be who you are. Okay. So, all those people that you work with that you're afraid to kind of be Christian around, hypothetically, or just say what hey, I go to this church, come sometime, or or just be you. Period. Right. I think. When they see an owner that's a certain way and talks about it openly, but not in the sense, I I say that very tongue in cheek. I don't, I don't, you know, read Bible verses to the people there. I I don't, I'm careful with that stuff because I don't want to shove anything in their face. And I do see people moving in their seats when we have these manager meetings. They'll say, hey, look, I want you guys to be part of organizations. I don't know what they're, what they are, but here's what mine is for me you know, and, and I talk about this Catholic businessman's fraternity, things that we talk about, I go, go over, you know, I quoted the Pope, and I do see people squirm in their seats, for sure, uh, and there are moments that I, I, I sweat, I get hot, <laughs> and it is uncomfortable, it's just crazy <laughs> that it's uncomfortable, you know, but you're right, I could tell you when I, you know, 10 years ago, I would have, I was still like, you know, I didn't want to, there's an accountability to being Catholic or Christian or Muslim or whatever, whatever religion you belong to. When you, when you, when you say there's a higher power out there, um, there's an accountability that goes along with it. And I don't want that accountability. And I still find myself, myself certain mornings or certain nights with friends or whatever I'm doing where I don't want that accountability. I wanna, I wanna wipe that away for a night. And so, which, you know, those are things that we have to work on Tell people humility is, is an effort. Um, and, and part of being humble is being accountable, too, so. But, yeah. But, you know,
1: yeah. Great question.
0: It is, a super. Do you find it
1: difficult? You know, not uh, to your point, no, because of Rory. Um, I, again, my previous positions and other companies, I, there's no chance I would talk about um, church or um, any kind of Christian belief. Um my my mom, God bless her, is one of the most strict Catholics that I know. And uh and I think she she must have prayed that I that I would work for Rory someday because there's so many times where I told her, well, Ash Wednesday was a couple couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh-huh. Here comes Rory into the office with the ashes on his forehead, and I was like, Thanks for reminding me that it was Ash Wednesday. Now I gotta tell my mom that I missed this morning, but my boss went. To we had, Ash the, we had to drive to the
0: mini area for a meeting. So I went at like six thirty in the morning, I could go to the ashes and gotta go. And she's like, no, my mom's gonna, No, I have to tell her you win, but I didn't. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the that's yeah. sin you're gonna have
1: to <laughs> Yeah, so I, it's definitely easier because of Rory. I mean, there's there's many things from the leadership down that we that you cultivate. One of the things, I, I had to laugh, but I was thinking of things that Rory does that now I can show her, or that, I, that our people do. Uh, so he's wearing a jacket right now, but Rory's got tattoos on his arms, right? And for a lot of the companies, especially in the professional environment, that's just not something that you see displayed very often. Where VP of Sales has a, has a tattoo sleeve, and now we've got employees that will come up and like, you see my new tattoo, and it's just things like that where you're just like, that's we've made that that comfortable environment. We built that culture that we want to know these things to share these things because because Rory's that way, and he shares those things. And so so to answer your question, yeah, I'm a, I'm comfortable with it because Rory has made it so that I can be comfortable with it, and I am lucky to be in an organization that's done that for sure.
0: When I started CMBF, quick segue from that, I would hide my tattoos. I was embarrassed by it, and that's not right either. It's just, you know, whether they're good or bad decisions, I did it. It's already done, (laughs) but it's really funny uh, that those men, and most of them are older men, um, business owners, right, super conservative Catholics, Um, it wasn't comfortable for them, you know, like I could feel it, but I would go in like short sleeve shirt. It took me over a year to do it. And I, one of them I just texted me uh, before I got here, do you want to have a green beer with me tomorrow? And I've become friends with these guys. They've accepted me beyond those, those mistakes, if, if that's what they think they are. Um, and you know, I, I'm quick to own mistakes. My tattoos are way down the list of mistakes that I'm really worrying about owning at this point in my life. Um, and so, but yeah, it's, but that kind of goes the other way too, right? It, all of us kind of we we change who we are to kind of fit the group we're in and we just we just got to get rid of that and just you know work on that one one cap that one ball cap
1: my, my my mom uh always says that it's it's her job to get my dad to heaven right and so um i good luck with that <laughs> but um uh it's a, it's a great perspective it's something that when when she repeats that i'm like gosh that's, that's a that, that's a, that's a, that's a heavy burden to to carry, but also something great in a relationship. Um, but talking to, to people and keeping that into perspective of where are they going if something happens to them, if I get done meeting with them and something happens to them, I think it would really give me the perspective of being present and, and putting an effort into that relationship and, and giving them what you can, right? So, uh, in the, and the best, and the best of your abilities, not everybody is super comfortable sitting down, having conversations about, Religion and 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 where people are at in life, Um, but going through things personally um, for for me has you know going through my divorce has made it a heck of a lot easier for me to talk to others about their relationships and and their experiences and being able to to incorporate the faith in that and how that's gone you know gotten me through that process and so I definitely think it's it's a great way to put it. of just being more present in that conversation and keeping that, what can I do to help that person get to heaven? If that's not the direction that they're going, what can I do to help them get there? So, definitely.
0: We, I've started to talk about legacy a little bit with people and um, we human beings have this legacy idea of like the jewel on their finger or the money they've made and I think when you look at legacy as the people you impacted in your life and the people you leave behind and you um, uh, just kind of focus on that. So when I focus on that with um, people, and I mean, I, in our company, I can, I can think of Alex in our company, who's our um, VP of sales as, as an individual, I would love to see more involved in a church because he's a really good person. And, but I think the, Eternity, yeah, eternity. So the idea of, that's such a big thing. I think I would start with legacy with someone. And once they recognize that their legacy aren't these trinkets, um, the fool's gold that we all um, stuff our pockets with, I think that, then you can, then I can, you could kind of roll that into the idea of of, um, that there's, there's just more after this, right? I mean, this is the life that we are given here is moving at light speed towards death, right? Like we're not we're not here very long. Um, and I think the cool, you know, when you when fate becomes a part of your life, you realize that without any doubt that there's another place after this. Um, and then you really you're really almost when you think I haven't done enough to get there. And so I do think that um, that's a good question. I, that one might be too big for some people too and like i said i mean you've got people who just think there's nothing after this i don't know if they actually think that or if it's just easier to go there i, I don't know i don't know It's a good question i'd have to I'd have to soak on that one for a while we do talk about legacy a lot though and i don't know what all of you think your legacy will be and if money is a part of it by the way money is a really good thing money provides Vacations and experiences, and and it provides you an opportunity to to give it to other people, um, and it, it's it is just such a balancing act uh, emotionally and mentally though too, because inevitably the more you make, the more you want to make, and our system is set up to create that for you whether you want it or not. You buy a bigger house, you buy a boat. I mean, these things, all of these things cascade, and pretty soon all that money that you could have dumped into your community or, or just whatever. I, it's just, it's really difficult. It's, it's seriously, it's super difficult. And I don't, I mean, not like anyone should feel bad for, for anyone that's had the opportunity to, to get there. But I'm just saying, if you want advice and you want to own your own company and, and money's a part of that idea, that's okay. That's a good thing. It's just understanding that money is really secondary to some many other things. But I can tell you too, we, we were losing money in our company for how long, forever? Feels like forever. More
1: time than that. It wasn't great. Great. Jack, It wasn't yeah. great. My <laughs> wife and
0: I had to sell like our like all of these things and write a check of all the money we had into the company at one point. That's how close we were to going under. We had ten times the debt to income. Most banks won't loan you be like one point two times or one point five times if you're lucky, right? Um, we're better now. <laughs> yeah,
2: things are
3: great. But
0: <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, and I mean, honestly, like when we focused on people and we got away from our bank debt and we got away from, you know, I was I became less angry and I became less, you know, insecure. And we, uh, even when COVID happened, we we maxed people's payout. This is before PPP. We, we, went, we just right away were like, you know what? We're, everyone's in the same position. How can we take care of these people? And again, I'm saying this, these things are hard for me to say out loud we really work on humility and 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 so on so but I'm saying that the people science is always right and so the minute we just the money happens when you take care of people and and happiness happens when you're in the community and you're donating your time and money I could tell it's easier to write a check than it is to to physically be present we I've asked Anna in our office during COVID especially to help us make sure that we do something once a week. And it's really hard to be accountable to that. We do it as a team. Sometimes sweat, packing boxes, <laughs> <laughs> or But yeah, I, yeah, probably there, but we're good at that.
1: Good question. Please try yeah. to uh, rabbit hole over too, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for me it was, so my sister Lori actually, uh, so we went through this uh, exercise where uh, uh, drew a, a straight line, and then mapped out the highs and lows in your life. Um, and so I did that peaks and valleys, highs of, you know, uh, my, got got promoted, got a new job, lows of a mostly personal relationship, right, highs of having my son, and, and so on and so forth. And then we went back, and and she's like, okay, well, how does that relate to your relationship with with God during those times? And And sure enough, you know, same map right during all of my highs. It was when I was praying and going to church on a regular basis and he was there and during my lows We stopped going to church and I wasn't praying like I should and so That was a huge eye-opener for me for um, that exercise of I need him in my life consistently for my for my life to be above that that, that line and so that exercise for me was just the moment where i knew i needed to make a commitment and and try also having a 6 year old now that is old enough to understand those things and also knows when we don't go to church on sundays right so that having that pressure of okay not only is it my faith that i need to commit to but i need to make sure that this little boy has a, a solid foundation in faith as well and then also just going through my personal when i was going through my divorce i feel that my my mother I, th- it's, I think she thinks it's her job to get me to heaven too, of of, uh, of of calling, you know, every every Sunday, making sure I went to church. I had Rory checking to make sure, you know, that that I was um, strong in my faith too. And so a combination of those things, but for sure that exercise of of really mapping out the fact that my highs always included when I had God in my life and, and on a consistent basis.
0: Yeah. I'm not a good Catholic like I'm working at being a like like being a Christian is super difficult right so I just don't want anyone to think I've somehow made it into the I'm working my way into being something I can be proud of in that sense, but I, uh, I think when I decided to be more um, accountable, you know, there's things that happen even even in my relationship with my wife and you know CMBF. I had a friend, Joe Rutten. My grandpa died. My grandpa was kind of the patriarch of my family, my grandpa Kelly. Um, church was something that, you know, it was the best, the best my grandpa, my grandpa was the, your typical stoic, you know, man. He was a West River farmer from, from the state of South Dakota, for those of you not from South Dakota. Um, he, he wrangled cattle on a horse, you know, I mean, he still later in life. And he, you know, you didn't get a hug, you get like maybe a handshake or something, but the closest he got to me always was church. And even when I didn't go to church, my wife and I would go to Palm Springs for Christmas or Easter, and I would always make a point to get up and go to church with my grandpa. I think my wife would always, there was, she couldn't quite put that together. What was the most love I got from him? And it was the closest we felt. And he was proud of me in those moments. And so, um, when he passed away and that kind of combined with, I had a friend, Joe Rutten, uh, who had started this organization, CMVF, that I went to Gorman High School with. Joe was similar to me in terms of, you know, making lots and lots of mistakes. Uh, Joe had gone to seminary and decided being a priest wasn't for him. He's got two brothers that are priests, but he wanted to get married and, and it just had other things that, you know, he wanted to do. And the combination of all those moments is all all moments, right? It's like the big bang. You know it's, there's just there's a spark of light somewhere um and and those things really got me back into um you know kind of the the space i needed to be in i do think it's like i said it's um you know i i'll get caught up in that week where i don't go to mass or um and i can draw out those weeks and they're not good i go one of the things we had to commit to doing to be a part of CMPF, and it was a covenant between us men, right, was we have to go to mass twice a week. Um, and the idea is, by the way, the idea is the the, the idea is um, bringing Sunday into Monday is the saying that we have. But the thing about Wednesday morning mass, it's great, and, and maybe you know, my wife, I know, would attest to this. Maybe Anakin too, sometimes. But I am a better person that week when I go on Wednesday mornings, um, and. I'm. I go by myself. Uh, I mean, there's other people there, but I, I don't have my kids or so my wife. That's and, and I love going with them. Don't I'm just saying it's a different type of mass for me. I, I contemplate things about um, you know my wife and my kids work. Uh, Anna maybe or or it could be anything. Um, that's really propelled me into being a better Catholic Christian. But again, it's I mean. I, it's like a peloton I, does anyone ride peloton like if there's 10,000 riders I'm I'm close to like number 10,000 <laughs> I'm pedaling hard for a while I get up to like midway and then I fall off the bike for a while and then I pedal hard again and so I just want to find that consistent <laughs> pedal where I just keep climbing instead of the two steps forward 10 steps back thing and I'm I'm learning as I go and it's just easy to be selfish and you know and silly and revert to old habits, habits are super difficult. Talked about JC Chambers and, you know, drug counseling as a kid. And, you know, when I was a kid, my escapism was always drugs and alcohol. It was an easy way to, um, you know, find euphoria, uh, escape. Um, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's a cheap way to do that. And I'm not, I don't mean, you know, dollars and cents. Um, and the aftermath is, is usually painful. Um, because there's usually people kind of left in the wake there, um, especially as you get older. And it, 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 the, the other piece of it that, that's super difficult is if that becomes your means, especially at the young age, it's really difficult when you're 44 to not think about that as still a way for you to just... Because stress, piles, stress is getting even easier for us. Like a stress when we're 14, 15, 16, bullying, you know, insecurities, whatever it might be. Well, when you get older... There is so much more stress, and, and you can easily revert to those, you know, those means that aren't healthy, but in the moment they work. And, you know, th- those things have been super difficult, and going to church more often and, and praying more often, those, those things have been the, the, the best way for me to recognize and deal with some of those, um, those habits. And so anyway, that's something I would tell people too. All of us have a bad habit when it comes to escapism, right? And we, again, it's usually avoidance of things. And, you know, there's always someone kind of, again, left in the wake, there's a hostage we hold, right? They call it holding people hostage. Um, I, I won't talk to my wife for a couple of days sometimes when I'm really mad and it's gotten a lot better again with, with, with just faith and, and, you know, humility um, it's my mechanism, that's how I That's how I fight her. Because that hurts her when I don't talk to her. And especially if I'm really guilty of something, then I'm not gonna talk to her for a while. Because then it, it gets me out of having to address the fact that I'm wrong. Because by the time two days are up, she just wants to talk to me. And, and I do that to Anna, I do it to other people too. And those are things through through this renaissance, if that's what you wanna call it, uh, that have helped me a ton in recognizing some of those those features of myself that, you know, are, are mitigating or getting in the way of, you know, the ultimate goal. So, anyway, Joey, did you have a question?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, do you want the chair for a minute? <laughs>
3: I have a question.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, we got a question. Yeah.
2: Okay.
3: Yeah. So you said earlier that you went through like uh rapport leadership. Yeah. Um yes. I went I went through team leadership last oh, summer. Cool. Yeah. So um
0: Are you a Roman? You,
3: I am a Roman. Yeah.
0: yeah. Larry Kelly. I was yes. at your oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. Yes. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, do you send like all of your execs that work for you there, or is it just you two that have gone? Or like, and do you recommend it to other people?
0: So this, I will brag about. Yes. <laughs> uh, so rapport. By the way, congrats on going Thank to I'm super proud of you. Thank that you. That group was amazing. Um, rapport is like, uh, it's it's it is the single greatest thing I've ever done for myself for myself. And we're not, we're, we, we, we need to allow ourselves moments of just doing something for ourselves. And I'm not talking about going out with your friends and getting bombed. I'm talking about like breaking down who we are, allowing ourselves to free ourselves of whatever chip on our shoulder, whatever it is, like doing something specifically for ourselves. And so I was referred to Rapport by a friend of mine, Aaron Canfield. Uh, his dad is Larry Campbell. They have Canfield Interiors here in town. And of course I dogged him on it for like three years and I'm like, Oh, it sounds dumb. And it's, it's, it's Tony Robbins, whatever it is. And I went and I mean, I exploded. Um, and that helped me with faith by the way. Thank you for bringing that up too. That, that really, it's not faith based. They tell you that by the way, it's really funny. It is inevitably when you get, that's why I said when, when when I change, my whole world changes, inevitably when you focus internally, faith is a product you know spirituality is, is a product of that right like um and so we i <laughs> i don't, we've sent over 100 people
2: mm-hmm.
0: um yeah. we we have gotten other companies wiser distributing and um uh pedrick um
3: forever new. forever
0: new and um and we we've made it a point to buy these trips for people um and that's something all of us have come to love too. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Rapport is, I talk about rapport on social media every once in a while, probably more than I do, you know, being a Catholic or or anything else. Rapport mm-hmm. is is an amazing experience. And through COVID, it's, it's like this, you're in a room and you're pretty intimate uh, with a group of people. It has to be strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, teen rapport, I wish it would have done. Um, I've been to teen rapport graduations and they are, others, I don't know, I cried more in those than I think I cried in anything. Mostly because you see humility from someone who's 17, 18, 19 years old. And I don't know if you remember you at that age, and if you were humble at that age, I, I honestly applaud you. But most of us are just so self-absorbed and scared and they're just all these things. And when you see kids that age and, and, and they're wearing a cape and, and they're, they're, they're Superman for even for an hour or a day or a couple weeks, it is so uplifting um, and I think it does w- to people what what Christianity does when when, you, when you're when you're in it in the right way and you have those 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 moments but yeah we we incorporate rapport with all of our team with our managers mm-hmm. um, we had
1: sales reps go and-
0: we probably have 70 people that we've bought rapport for that don't work for us anymore and I'll still every once in a while have one reach out to me and it's not with us anymore I still remember lb1 leadership breakthrough one and blah, 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 and I, it's a joy to, to get those.
2: So, have
3: you gone through LB1, LB2, or what have you all gone through?
0: I'm a master grad.
3: Are uh, you? Okay, cool.
0: Obviously, I mean, look at me. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: I did LB1, LB2, and I did uh, Power Comp, and I want to do Eagle Quest, um, but COVID kind of, Yeah. I'm kind of scared. I'm not going to lie, I'm scared to go. When you don't go for a while, then you get scared to go again, and then I'm just like, Annie, you need to go to a class. <laughs>
3: so do you recommend, sorry, I have so many questions, but do you recommend like what age should I or whoever I go
1: with or whatever go to LB1? What would you suggest? Ooh.
0: That's an, I'll let Anna do that one.
1: Uh, I did LB1 when I was 25, if I want to say, and I wish I would have done it in my early 20s. And by the way, for those of you that don't know where 4 is, feel free to to grab us afterwards or ask or reach out afterwards and ask because it's a great organization and um, a, huge in, a huge impact, obviously. Um, but I would recommend early 20s because there's just uh, again, personal and professional decisions that I made that I would have loved to have that sort of um, power behind of, of going. So I, I totally would recommend early 20s. You know what we'll do? What? You're going to love this. Oh, gosh, I can't wait.
0: So maybe we can get everyone's name, and we'll just put it in a hat. We're going to draw one name. We'll pay for your flight, pay for your hotel, we'll pay for a report for you. Yeah. For LB1. Yeah. that's
1: great. So I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Did, you didn't yeah. know. I didn't know. I, 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 you you're getting, You're yeah, good. Yeah, you do.
0: Let's do that. That'd be fun. That'd be a good gift to give someone here. Yeah, for sure. Joey, you can't. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Great question. Great question. Thanks for Yeah, now you can
0: be a big part of giving someone report. So when we so that's the other thing we'll do. Whoever goes to LB One out of this group, we're gonna connect you with Roman here and you get to tell her how how much that impacted you and and what your thoughts are when she should go. Huge. That's really cool. Huge. That's awesome. Sandy's like, "Uh." yeah. Um it's not a question, it's just like encouragement,
3: how you guys are doing. Good and great. I grew up Catholic too. I was choir, altar girl, teaching kids Catholicism and stuff like that. I just realized that um, there is more, and as you say, like there is more to that too. It's more than like going to a mass, you know, and God really wants um, a relationship, like a personal relationship with us. And I know that so many lives are being touched by your story, and I just want to encourage you, like, to keep going and seeking that, because uh, I just feel you guys bring so much joy, like, when you're in the room, it's so crazy, (laughs) Uh, and I'm sure it's amazing work with you guys, and I just know that God wants to um, uh, reach even more people uh, with your stories of uh, your testimony, is what he is doing, and your relationship with him, and, yeah, it's just... Thank
0: you. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Thanks.
3: We've
0: become church-centric, right? Like, and um, what I mean by the building of churches, right? So, like, the buildings have become very important to us, where we go, who the priest is, or pastor. And I think we have sometimes fall away. And those are all super important, and they can change people's lives. But I think sometimes we fall away from, you know, the simplicity of being at home and praying. praying with my kids, I'll be honest, and I love going to Mass, I do, but uh, there are nights I pray with my kids that are probably more impactful Mm -hmm. on me, Um, and I do think that is something that, that, you know, again, maybe COVID helped us with, you know, all of us, we're taken away from our comfort zone of where we go to pray and worship, and we're forced to consider another alternative, Um, and so anyway, yeah thank you
1: yeah
0: thank you yeah thank you thank you Uh, thank thank you you. great questions
1: (laughs) thank you everyone thank you that was fun
0: thank you